Broadcasting to millions from WebmasterRadio.fm's world headquarters in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Welcome to Rainmaker. Rainmaker. Hosted by the founders of Webmaster Radio, Darren Pappen, also known as Essie Guru, and his beautiful co-host, Brandy Shapiro-Babin. Brandy. From their persistent work ethic to their personal accomplishments, Darren and Brandy bring you candid, no-holds-barred interviews and commentary with guests that exhibit inspiration, dedication to their craft, and leave an indelible mark on their path to success. And now, Webmaster Radio presents a program that is truly the destination for education and entertainment. This is Rainmaker. Well, that's right, everybody. I want to welcome you to this Thursday edition of Rainmaker. It is Thursday, October the 16th. Do you know where your ghouls are? (laughs) Do you know what your what is? Your ghouls are. Your ghouls? Yeah, it's almost Halloween. It is almost Halloween. Yeah. But that was very hard. Uh, Was that hard on you? (laughs) It was very hard on me. Hard on your perception. Welcome back into the studio. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I always wanted to be that woman that was like, oh, I'm just so busy. I forgot to eat. But I have to go in front of one of those funny mirrors to like actually be the size two that I know that I should be. Oh, come on. It's true. Oiga Voltishmir. So uh, crazy, crazy times that we are in. And I think it only be fitting for tonight's uh, part two interview. Um, to to uh, kind of get a little insight uh, from from tonight's guest, considering everything that's going on out there right now, I, I think the timing of this is is fantastic. Um, uh, she should have been back before, so I'm like a little disgusted by this. However, I'm extremely happy that our featured guest this evening is Sarah Lacey. She's an award-winning journalist and author of Once You're Lucky, Twice You're Good, The Rebirth of Silicon Valley and the Rise of Web 2.0. She writes for Business Week magazine, and she is also on Yahoo's uh, web video show, Yahoo Tech Ticker. Uh, Welcome, Sarah. Hi, it's good to be back for a much belated part two. <laughs> Thank you. Indeed, indeed. I'm so glad to hear your voice. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm glad to talk to you guys. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's been 10 years since I was on the first time, which is mainly just because promoting a book and hosting a show and writing a column and what's been going on with the market, I just feel like I've aged 10 years. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? And I know you don't like when I say this, but I have to say this. It's so cute because every time I, I, I search you on the internet, the first thing that always pops up is hottie. So you may feel aged internally, but the world is like, she's smart and she's hot. <laughs> Well, it's a lot of good makeup. That's been one of the best things about doing this on-camera job is I actually had several days of makeup training, so I think I actually look younger than I did. Cool. You can pass those tips off to me then, please. <laughs> so, Sarah, speaking of the book, how, how has how's the book been? How's it gone? So the book has been amazing. You know, no one tells you exactly how long the project doing a book is. It's like a three-year project. I mean, there's sort of everything that goes in on the front end of, you know, doing the deal and then writing it and then promoting it. And now, you know, I've just, I've been on the road for a 15-city book tour. Oh, my God. Um, 
we did something totally unlike any other book tour. We called it the user-generated book tour, and I just announced it on a whim on my blog and let different entrepreneurs and web enthusiasts and, you know, fans of my writing um, around the country basically make their case for why I should come to their city. And I wasn't only going to do 10 cities, but I had such a great um, response that I ended up doing 15, and we did about three events in each city. Uh, we have two left that we haven't done yet. But So I've spent the whole summer just traveling around and meeting with hundreds of entrepreneurs wow. um, around you. the country, which has been an amazing, amazing experience. Now um, we've got the paperback version of the book comes out in March, so I'm writing uh, a couple new chapters. And then paperback will come out. I'll finish the tour. It's coming out in London in November, so I'm going over there to do a big party. So it's just still going on. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I'm lucky that I love this topic and am still am not sick of it because (laughs) right because living with you are you are eating, sleeping, and breathing it. But I love what you did because this has been like a big topic of conversation, especially with the Public Relations Society of America's international conference coming up. That it's all about you know. Having using the internet to have a conversation that's going to help promote you personally as a, as a personal brand or you as part of an entity to help you know forward your company. Mm-hmm. So I think it's awesome that you did this user generated book tour, right? So now you I'll just send you guys some t-shirts. We had t-shirts that were like concert t-shirts <laughs> with all the cities on the back. Like yeah. oh, it wow. was the hippest book tour ever. <laughs> yeah, but that's but it's but that's really cool because now you've got people who absolutely you've got like all of these evangelists out there. Who mm-hmm. are seated and primed, you know, at your book tours? I just think what a great way of doing that. And it's just in- it's interesting. It's been a very much of a reoccurring theme, mm-hmm. you know, actually doing what you did. So it's nice to see that someone's applying that and seeing it succeed as well as you are. It was really, I mean, and I have to say, like this summer started out kind of depressing just because. You know, the economy really hit the book market. I mean, you know, it was hitting. I mean, I was doing well. My sales were doing well compared to the other summer titles of my publisher. But it's just no one was buying books this summer. It was Mm. really getting hit. So, you know, I just kind of felt like I had to do something. And, you know, there are all the books that you sort of sell at each event. But there was a lot more. There was obviously a lot of ripple effect because um, my sales, you know, really picked up and really held steady through um, the several months I've been doing it. So, um, you know, I, I feel like every smart business decision I've ever um, I've ever made somehow feeds every single part of me. You know, it feeds me like intellectually as a reporter and it's fulfilling. It's, you know, has some sort of like sales component. It has some sort of, you know, it's like, I, I think the more we think of ourselves as full people and not just Sarah, the reporter or Sarah, the person representing Yahoo or, you know, Sarah, the person who wants to have an enjoyable summer, you know, the more you just have success in business. And like, that's what the social web is all about is collapsing those parts of your life. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Sarah, let me, let me ask you a question. The book itself, you you did a lot of interviews of entrepreneurs to to to, to come up with your content and, and you know to come up with the nuts and bolts for the book. Mm-hmm. Now you just got off, uh, and you still you know have a couple of cities left. But for the most part, you you've gone through the 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 major part of the book tour. Where you met all these other entrepreneurs who've now read the 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 you know the 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 thought and you know the interviews you know everything that you put together in the book. What kind of of thought or feedback did you get from these entrepreneurs on the road? 
you know, what what kind of resounding theme maybe did you see uh, maybe that sticks out in your mind as being like something recurring that you saw in the people that were reading your, your book? Well, I think there's a couple things. I mean, I think in terms of like the response that I got to the book and the reason that it resonated with people enough that they really wanted me to come to their city, um, you know, Everyone, there's such a mythology that goes along with Silicon Valley and Web 2.0. I mean, everyone write, will write these kind of profile pieces on these guys. And, you know, they go in and they interview someone for 45 minutes or, they, you know, they call them, you know. And, it's, and you have all these PR people who are trying to sort of distill and homogenize everything so it's a very, you know, safe portrait mm-hmm. of the company or the founder. And, you know, what I did was I spent hundreds of hours with these guys. And I had been covering them for years. So it's like I'm not having a PR person tell me what the early days of Facebook were like. You know, I was... I was right, you lived it with Not him, at right. the company, but I was there talking to people and, you know, and reporting. And, and I knew Mark. I, I first interviewed Mark uh, when he was 19. So, he, and then I would spend between four to eight hours in each sitting, um, you know, with all the entrepreneurs in the book, you know, over, you know, really a year and a half. So, people can't really hide who they are. And I think as a result, um, the book um, really presents these people as they really are with all of their flaws and all of their vulner- vulnerabilities, you also realize how hard they've worked to achieve what they have and how obsessive they are and what they've had to sacrifice in their life in order to have success. And I think while that can be really off-putting for a lot of people who might like having a safe, comfortable job at a company or people who family is very important for them, for a lot of people who are true entrepreneurs, it's actually really encouraging because it lets them know there's nothing magic about any of these guys. They just believed in themselves and worked really, really hard. And I think that that's a really hopeful message, even though it kind of sounds like it wouldn't be. Um, and So I think that's one thing I heard a lot of. I think also the book gives a lot of practical advice sort of couched in a lot of these guys' stories about how to raise capital, uh, you know, the dangers of really giving up even a share of Mm -hmm. equity, you know, if you're not getting something more from it, and and all of that, that you just don't get by reading, you know, either, you know, very techie blog like TechCrunch, or even a business publication like Business Week. So those are the two, like, things that I've heard that people really liked about it. In terms of, like, what I gather just from going around the country and talking to people, the cities and the people that are doing it best are ones that aren't trying to be Silicon Valley and are really playing to their unique endemic strengths mm. as a city or location. And I think I was encouraged to see it because in the late 90s when um, I would be in other cities that were trying to be Silicon Valley, it was everyone was trying to be Silicon Valley. I mean, their their version of success was having companies go public and building these big companies and, you know, all these things sort of connected with, like, money and prestige and, you know, the, the public markets and... You know, when I was in Omaha, it was one of the cities, I asked them what they considered their barometer of success. And um, one of the guys from the chamber, who's really just a fascinating guy, sort of thought about it and said, you know, I feel like our version of success is, you know, I have five kids and I would want them to be able to stay in Omaha if they wanted to. Rock on. Right. And, and everyone needs to. I think that's a hard part. Is sometimes people aren't honest with themselves as far as what's important mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, what's successful to you may not be successful to me. And sometimes people try to live other people's dreams, and that's why they fail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because that's why we have you on Rainmaker. And that's why we have on a lot of our guests so that people can see the different path that, you know, industry icons have taken to get where they are today. And you know what? I've never met. You know, I think I'm a pretty secure person, but I've never met truly a secure person in my life. Everybody, I think, has the same 
problems just in different areas so sometimes it can look easier to someone else you know and yeah oh it almost always looks easier to someone else and, and, and <laughs> believe you, me my job looks easier to <laughs> people than it is and, and watch this i i'm going to take two minutes and i'm going to make the producer's job look even easier stay with us folks <laughs> when we come back we're going to get sarah's take on what's going on out there in the economy stay with us folks we'll be right back Sit tight and don't move. Rainmaker. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, what's that sound coming from your computer? That's the sound of me making money with Referback.com. They've shown me how to... Referback.com show me how to turn clicks on my existing site into cash. Referback gives you free banners, mailers, even your own personal account manager. Oh, can they help me make money off my blog too? Absolutely. Your websites, your blogs, they can all be making you money. You can even earn 50% commission on your first month. Put some into your website. Just visit Referback.com. Welcome to Madame Natalia's. You've come to have your future told, no? Yeah, you see, I'm looking for the right life insurance affiliate program, and I have... Say no more. I see you're working with AccuQuote. AccuQuote? Yes, AccuQuote. They are the nation's premier life insurance brokerage. Go on. AccuQuote will create custom creatives for you to optimize your eCPM and... They will offer you the highest payout for this offer anywhere. So when's all this going to happen? As soon as you visit AccuQuote.com. For life insurance, visit AccuQuote.com. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles. At hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998 and formerly known as Joe Bucks, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. PPC Rockstars will take you to the promised land of PPC Profit. Live broadcast Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the advertising channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now back to Rainmaker. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. Well, come on back in here. That's right. We are back. It is Thursday, October the 16th. I want to welcome you back to this week's edition of Rainmaker. And joining us this week on Rainmaker is Sarah Lacey, award-winning journalist and author of Once You're Lucky, Twice You're Good, The Rebirth of Silicon Valley and the Rise of Web 2.0. Welcome back, Sarah. Thank you for having me. So, okay. 
I'm not going to ask who you're voting for. No, ask. Who are you voting for, Sarah? Obama. <laughs> I live in San Francisco. Are you kidding? Okay, okay. So why why Obama? Um. Well, I mean, first, uh, to be fair, I should say that I'm pretty much what they call in the South a yellow dog Democrat. I mean, I would... I would vote for a dog over anyone in the Republican okay. Party, pretty much, to be honest. But beyond that, I mean, you know, I think um, I, I just I'm really troubled by McCain's flip flopping. I mean, I, I I actually used to really like him when he was running, um, you know, in the primaries the the previous two elections. Um, I thought he had a lot of integrity, and I thought he didn't really follow in lockstep step with the Republican Party. And you know, I just think we've all seen over the last four years that his ambition to get to run for president, you know, has really you know come over things that he's championed for his career. And you know, that's. I mean, I feel right. like even though I like John McCain, even if I agreed with all his politics, a vote for him is really a vote for Karl Rove because that's kind of what he's shown me. So that's a non-starter. Um, I think, you know, obviously as as a woman, I've, I don't know. I don't wow. personally know a single woman who has does not have an issue with Sarah Palin. Right. That that's the problem. Which is horrible. There are so many amazing women out there. And I don't know her, so I'm not going to slander her. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, yes, I do have a problem with her. I actually have a problem with her PR people too because I think putting that weird spin on her showing her hunting and stuff you know to put that manly edge on was not the right way (laughs) to like make men feel good about having a female in office and have men you know and have women want to like have her as their heroine Right. Um, Well you know it's actually was really defended her uh, to a lot of people right when she was announced because I felt like everyone, you know, it was the day after the Democratic convention and everyone jumped on this bandwagon of just trashing her and saying, oh, he only nominated her because she was a woman. And, you know, I thought that was really classless. And, you know, mm-hmm. I kind of called people out friends of mine and said, look, we just listened to a whole night of speeches last night at the Democratic convention about, you know, how you shouldn't judge, you should base your judgment on, on uh a leader's judgment and not their experience. Gender, right. You know, yeah, and I was like, maybe he picked her because she's qualified. I don't know anything about right, her. Right, which and, is good. She's a governor, so she knows how to balance, you know, books yeah, and what Yeah, and you know, then it's like, as the days unfolded, I was just more and more horrified. I mean, I, I think it's insulting that she, you know, cannot do a debate without, you know, without talking points. I think... It's horrible that she doesn't know basic answers to questions. I mean, I just, she's someone who seems like she's been cramming for a test for five weeks. It's not someone who should be a heartbeat away from the presidency. And, you know, the winking into the camera, the, you know, it just, I couldn't believe in the, in the vice presidential debate when she said that she was for, uh, she said she was a big supporter of women's rights. I mean, I, I was well, watching hello, my sister, right. she's a woman, and we both jumped out of our skins. We're like, do you even know what that term means? Because it doesn't <laughs> actually mean that you should control everything that goes on in my body. Like, right, exactly. Like, what, what, what is, what, you know, what is truly the real reason why your daughter is carrying that baby? You know, right. that, that, which I find extremely disturbing personally. Um, so let me ask you a question. You said you'd vote for a Democrat or a dog. Do you feel like you're in a position where you're 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 having to choose between a dog and a Democrat? No, I don't. I mean, I, I do think that um, I, I like Obama a lot. I don't think I've had quite the level of Obamania that everyone uh, else I know has. I think my concern about Obama early on, and I was very torn between Hillary Clinton and Obama, I think my concern is that I, I, I just am not sure sort of exactly at his core what he really stands for. Right. I think that he'll end up enacting a lot of um, programs and legislation that I agree with. But, you know, it... it I read, I read something in the New York Times really early on when he started the primaries where they interviewed a lot of his friends who'd worked at the Harvard Law Review with him. 
And one of the things they said was he was great at being in that position because you never fully knew where he stood, but he could see sort of every side's every side of an issue very well and be able to articulately, you know, uh, defend each side of it and, you know, kind of distill it and bring it together. And I I feel like after my anger of the last eight years, a, mm-hmm. a big part of me wanted someone who really firmly, you know, believed in things. Um, but, you know, that having been said, I was talking to um, Mark Adriesen, who's in the book, and it was actually while I was working on the book, and, you know, he had had a sit down with Obama, and, you know, he was sort of thinking early on sort of where, you know, he, who he wanted to support. And the point he made that I actually think, thought was really good was, you know, after the last eight years of a president just not caring what anyone thought and doing whatever he wanted and not listening, you know, Mark said, I don't want another president, even if it's one that I agree with, who feels he's on some religious or moral mission. I want someone who is rational. You know, and that's a good point. Well, I hope that he is. I mean, because no offense Valid when point. I think, yeah, I mean, it is. I just, you know what, like you, I can't quite wrap my, my head and my hands around Obama. I don't mm-hmm. like him and I don't dislike him. You don't him. like him? No. no. It's not, no, no, no. It's not, I don't, I don't like him and I don't dislike him. Yeah. I find him to be very vague. I find him to be very eloquent. I find him to be very savvy in how he postures himself and the way that he speaks. You know, so he speaks in a commanding right. way, but then also throws in some words that, like, the common person resonates with a right. common person. Um, you know, where M- McCain, oh my God, please read your speech. If you're listening, please read your speeches <laughs> before you go up there because rolling your eyes at what are supposed to be your own words into a, into a you know, yeah. a worldwide TV camera is does not distill confidence <laughs> in people. I know, I know. Yeah, I mean, I think Obama is, it, from what I understand, I've not met him, but I have a lot of friends who spent a lot of time with him in the Valley because mm-hmm. he's really been embraced by the Valley. I, I think he's probably far more powerful one-on-one or sort of in town halls and that kind of stuff than he is debates. So, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say until I actually, you know, meet him myself, really. But, you know, I would say I like him. I would say I'm not whipped up into an insane fervor. But um, I'm telling you guys, I'm literally voting and then getting on the plane immediately to go to London for my (laughs) book event there. So I'm not even going to know who's won until I land in London the next day. And I mean, I'm not coming back if if it's McCain and Sarah Palin. I'm going to stay in the UK. Well, considering some of the news and, 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 uh, you know, when when Bush got in, we might might not know like we did last time. (laughs) I know. I hope it's just such a slam dunk that even by the time California votes, you know, we'll know. Yeah. I I don't know how I'm, that, that, I mean, that's a rough 10-hour flight anyway. A 10-hour <laughs> flight without knowing who the president is is going to be pretty horrifying. And let me tell you something. <sighs> I think about it, and uh, hopefully we have no issues with four-letter words going into this uh, into this election. And I do mean the word Chad. Folks, stay with us. We're going to take another <laughs> quick break. We'll be right back in just a moment. Sit tight and don't move. Rainmaker. We'll be back after this short break. With our lean and mean team, how can we manage our publishing needs and still have time to save the planet? No worries, 99. DMX is the premier ad exchange network. They publish ads that circle the globe every day. It's a mission possible. But you know our inventory needs maximum exposure. Would you believe DMX had 10 billion impressions just last month? Their real-time auction-based service gets us the top dollar for our ad space, while their superior service saves us the time we need to save the world. Oh, sorry about that, Chief. But we need creative control and our own third-party networks. 
and who will help manage our relationships. The Amex has media guard. We can select our own advertising banning profile, so direct media exchange networks know which ad types we don't like. And we look great. And did I mention the Amex is free? Looks like working undercover is a thing of the past. Get smart. Get DMX. Making every impression count. Susan, you're still responsible for digital marketing programs, right? Right. So your team is responsible for email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign optimization, and scheduling? Your point? Why are you so relaxed? My team deals with five different solutions, tech support teams, and just as many invoices, and it's making us mental. What is it? Aromatherapy? Acupuncture? Why are you so relaxed? You just have to simplify your tool set and unify your team. Lyris provides totally integrated email marketing, web analytics, PPC campaign management, and calendaring functionality. It's all in one spot that provides a holistic view of all your team's efforts. And you get all of this functionality for $299 a month. So with Lyris, one company can do it all. I feel like I can cancel that acupuncture appointment already. To see how Lyris can simplify your life, visit Lyris.com or call 1-888-GO-LYRIS. Simplify, unify, and increase ROI with Lyris today. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOSeek.com. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. SEO 101 is now in session. Every Wednesday and Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Rainmaker, only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. And welcome back, everybody, to this third and vi- final segment of tonight's edition it's of Rainmaker. It's not a final segment. It's not a final segment? No, because I, I'm, I'm forcing Miss Lazy once she gets back from London to start her radio show with us. Well, it's a third and final segment of this show. But not, right, but I, I look at the bigger picture. 
I'm looking okay. at the bigger picture. Okay, here. the bigger picture. So, okay, well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, of course, we are talking with Sarah Lacey, and Sarah, I got to ask you. Of course, now, 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 you know the cat's out of the bag. We, we know that it's not the dog; it's Obama. Um, and uh, considering, you know, the posturing between both of uh, of these gentlemen in in this now seeming seemingly foot race um mudslinging match <laughs> mudslinging match obviously um what what's your take on the bailout and the economic situation and the stance of of these two guys you know it's tough i mean i think the only thing i've got a really clear opinion on is just that i'm really uncomfortable with this idea of going and buying up all of these mortgages mm-hmm. really? so, okay you know, it's being positioned as keeping people in their house but that's just another bank bailout i mean i i do feel bad for people who got caught in loans they couldn't afford i do agree that you know when you're in a very sophisticated financial transaction and one side knows more than the consumer there should be some break cut to the consumer but but, you know, I mean, everyone who did these loans and can't afford them, people, there need to be consequences on both sides. I mean, mm-hmm. my husband and I were looking at buying a house in San Francisco a couple years ago when I was on staff at Business Week. And, you know, really, it was a massive stretch for us to afford every, anything. And we, so we were pre-approved, but we didn't buy anything. I mean, no one had a gun to people's heads making them do risky loans. And I just don't think as a culture, you know, we're not going to get out of this mindset of thinking there's always a bailout. And right, it's okay entitlement. Just mm-hmm. rack up all of this credit on credit cards or student loans or whatever it may be. You know, we're not going to change culturally until people are held responsible for bad decisions. I mean, this happens in Silicon Valley all the time. There's constant failure. There's constant churn in the, in the economy, particularly with startups. And, you know, you've got to get to a point where you embrace it because until you do, I mean, then you get into protectionism. And, you know, that's not a good market for anyone. But, you know, that having been said, like my, um, you know, on Tech Ticker, I tend to cover everything from the the Silicon Valley point of view. And I've got two great co-hosts, Aaron Task and Henry Blodgett, who cover it from the the Wall Street point of view. And I was watching a lot of um, their commentary when we were talking about the bailout. And, you know, I think that they are sort of in this weird position where they, like, you know, Warren Buffett and, you know, Bill Gross and a lot of these big experts kept talking about how bad the package was. But as soon as it wasn't passed, everyone freaked out and was like, how could you not have passed this package? And, you know, I just, I think it was like we got caught in this bind where something had to be done and everyone hated the plan, but something had to be done or the confidence of world markets was just going to you know, not be there, but now, it's, Sarah, a, it's a bad time. Sarah, let me ask you a question. I mean, because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm kind of watching the bailout situation, and I'm, I'm hearing McCain scream regulation, and doesn't this just reek of the Keating Five all over again? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty scary stuff. I mean, and I wasn't just—I'm not thinking just of the Keating Five. I mean, when I was uh, first. Um, working on my book, I went and read a lot of, you know, really great sort of narrative nonfiction just to kind of get ideas for structure or whatever. And, you know, read uh, you know, Den of Thieves and Barbarians the Gate. And, I mean, there's, we've, it's, it's always a different story, but we've over and over again seen, you know, there's this 
these dual forces on Wall Street and in business in general, but mm-hmm. really more on Wall Street of fear and greed. And when you take away all fear, which I think we're doing by just bailing anyone out who gets in any trouble, all you've got is greed. And you've just got to expect these things to keep happening. Right. Well, that and I think, unfortunately, like people are sheep. You know, just sheep, because at the end of the day, they're watching you, which is great, or they're listening to us or CNN or whomever is filling their heads with whatever their opinions are and drilling those ideas and concepts home. And people aren't arming arming themselves with their own facts and information, how it's going to best affect them. You know, I mean, I think it's disgusting. Seven months ago, I remember being at trade shows, you know, being in New York City and thinking, my God, I've never seen the economy thrive more than it is today. People were spending money. Companies were spending money. Everything was terrific. And then all of a sudden, someone yells, fire. There's no smoke. There's no smell. There's anything. And everyone goes flying out of the goddamn theater. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Although, all of that money people were spending was debt. I mean, to me, that's what's been sort of so scary about this on a national level and on a personal level. We've just become this culture of of feeling really comfortable throwing around debt and and treating debt like, you know, it never has to be paid back. And, you know, I think the next couple years are going to be so gut-wrenching on a cultural level till we get back to the place that, like, my grandmother was at, where she would not hold any debt because she had lived through the Great Depression. Well, and you know what? And that's very true. I mean where people were were responsible and they thought about their tomorrows and you know but things are a lot more I think complicated and sophisticated you know like take these you know now what they have short sales on how like they're just making up terms right right? (laughs) just to you know so it's unfortunate because no matter how savvy you are yeah, it's very difficult for people to understand what they're getting into. And some people think, oh, wow, I'm getting into, you know, a great deal. Or I look at it like, in, you know, we live in South Florida, that South Florida, the real estate down here was way overinflated. So I actually look at it like it's, it's writing. You know what I mean? Like the real estate market yeah. down, down here is writing itself, you know, mm-hmm. um, because believe me. I, I do believe that I live in a $7 million mansion. Although, like, if you saw it, you'd be going, you have got to be kidding me. Right. You know? <laughs> so, no, I know what you mean. And, I mean, my my husband and I did buy a house this year um, because I pretty much had to. I mean, because of all the book stuff, I would have just been absolutely hosed in my taxes if we had not done something. Right. But, you know, and we, we were fortunate enough to be able to buy um, in about May or June when there was sort of, you know, it was right after you couldn't get a loan and before you couldn't get a loan. And we ended up getting, you know, still a great interest rate. And we got a great deal, even though, you know, I mean, San Francisco really has not fallen that much as a market. And, you know, the value of our house is held up. So I think sometimes we listen to all of this crisis out there. Yes. We don't think about how many people, you know, really aren't in a massive bind. I mean, your home is different than your 401k. If you're not planning on moving anytime soon, you know, if you didn't buy at the absolute peak and didn't have an outrageous loan, right. you know, you're, you're not in this crisis point of view. And, you know, I don't know. It's tough. It's it, the the overprotectionism really really worries me with, mm-hmm. with the government involvement. I don't think you can be, you, I don't think you can have a free market only when the times are good. And you know, again, it goes back to that cultural problem that it's the same um, action consequence of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that people have about debt. It's like, well, let's just ban all short sellers now. I mean, <laughs> I, there there got to be a point where one of my co-hosts said jokingly, you know, they're gonna 
actually pass a law if we're not careful that you can only buy stocks, you can't sell them. I mean, it's gotten <laughs> so ridiculous at times. I mean, there's no antidote for the market to just take, for the government to give the markets that just fix this. It's, we've just got to go through it. And I don't know. I mean, maybe if we, I was in the epicenter of it and I, you know, my I was the one losing my house, maybe I would feel differently. But, you know, in eight or nine years ago, I was in Silicon Valley when we were the one who caused the crash. And, you know, I watched thousands and thousands, at least, I'd say at least two-thirds of my friends lose their jobs and be out of work for a long time. So, you know, but we had to go through it, and the valley was stronger. Well, and you, you, right, you, you go in on one side, and you come out the other, and everything is fine. And I just wish, at the end of the day, people, stop, you know, if you've got money in the stock market, leave it there. Right. Right? Like, how retarded? How utterly retarded? You've got this money in the stock market, so now you're going to... It's just this whole fear and sheep tactic is so beyond me because yeah. I, I just don't understand. We're we're crashing something that we actually have the ability to write. And yeah. that's the part that's really sad, especially as a culture that's supposed to be. Oh, don't even get I'm like, I'm on my soapbox. I'm not- <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys very invested in the stock market? I mean, I, I should say, I mean, one reason I'm able to be so so unemotional and above this is because I don't invest in stocks because, I mean, as a business reporter, I really can't. Right, right, right. Well, I think the part that's hard is, okay, so yes, but, you know, the part that's hard for us, and I'll be quite honest with you, is I don't have 80 hundred million dollars in the stock market and if i did i'd take a hit and when it came back it wouldn't be that horrible right Mm -hmm. we have enough money in the stock market that like wow right like thank you so much you took a bite out of my breast not my hip like i asked you to Um, right that was really appropriate for me to say (laughs) Um, you know so i think it's i think it's harder for like let's say the smaller investor to recoup you know because it takes a long time let's say at that conservative eight percent to yeah. build up a nice portfolio and when you know the market opens at a deficit of like hundreds and hundreds of points boom that's thousands of dollars immediately taken out of your account and you know you need to know when to pull out but i just wish everyone would sort of like continue doing business as usual keep your money in the stock market you know sarah and i do business darren and i do business and that money continues to flourish and grow and, and the community and and the culture continues to flourish and grow Mm-hmm. Don't just stop dead in your tracks. I, I, I got to say, though, I, I, I do tend to agree with Sarah. I think uh, as as a community, uh, you know, at large, uh, we have become comfortable with uh, with living and throwing debt around, um, you know, as as if it were our last marriage. Not me. Right. Because I've never been married before. Cupcake. <laughs> sorry so, about that. So sorry. I'm very proud that I. <laughs> you know. Well, I hate to do this, though, ladies. No, we, we're not. I'm not done. We're, we're de- I, you know what? I've got a meeting at seven o'clock, as does she. But I'm not done with her. Don't right, tell me to break. And, and and we got Brasco over here, who's who's winding himself oh, like a Minwill and no, Mykonos. Look at him. He's, he's right. A, he's over here giving you oh, the sign. Oh God! All right, Sarah. Yeah. When are you coming back from London? Um, I'm gonna be back. Uh, <laughs> we'll <laughs> you have, you have a stalker. We'll meet you at the here. SFO airport. So I'm going to be back on like the 12th of uh, November. Well, okay, good. So we are going to, uh, you know, you got to come back again. And of course, we're going to get you to do that radio show. Best of luck over in London. 
Thank you so much. And, and um, well, if wait. I come back, I might not be back on the 12th. You're right. I might not come back. <laughs> no, we were, you know, it's horrible. We were joking here, you know, hey, move to an island if things go weird. Yeah, we'll just go do business <laughs> in the pound and be done with it. Yeah, exactly. There you have it. Well, Sarah, safe travels to you. And again, thanks for coming on. Folks, the name of the book, you got to run right out and get it. You're not going to want to miss it. Once you're lucky, twice you're good. The Rebirth of Silicon Valley and the Rise of Web 2.0. Again, Sarah, thanks for coming on tonight. It was my pleasure. I'll talk to you guys soon. Awesome. Sounds terrific. Thank you Thanks. Very much. Safe flights. Bye-bye. Bye, honey. And there you go. That uh, That is going to do it for another. I guess we're done. I, know. I really enjoy her. She, she, well, oh, yeah. she, she's amazing. She's sharp-witted. She's on she's the ball. Amazing. I think she's, yeah, she's oh, on she's the ball. An, she's an amazing writer. She's an amazing writer. She has an amazing presence. She does have an amazing presence. That's why. She's well-spoken. She is. She's an engaging speaker. There you go. How's that? That's fabulous. I, I would have said exactly the same thing. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So seriously, guys, if you haven't checked out the book, now's the time because it's got some really great stories that are uber inspirational. I think everyone needs a little inspiration in their lives. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think I'm going to get a little inspiration in mine right about now. <laughs> uh, what, what, what can I say? <laughs> Sean from AccuQuote. Look out, buddy. I'm headed home. No, you're not. Folks, we'll see you next week right here for another edition of Rainmaker. Good night, everyone.